chapter 3 and verse 14 is where we will begin as we look at the scriptures and look at the story that is very familiar to many. As we have thought about and considering how to live in this world, how do we live in a sin-stained world, a culture in which is far from God? How do we remain faithful? How do we remain true? Well, today we're going to look at something very applicable to everyone, whether you're a, mostly if you're a Christian, but if you're a believer in questioning, why would I choose Christianity? Why is Christianity even something that I should consider? Well, today we're going to look at commitment under fire. I do want to mention quickly as just a matter of prayer that we want to remember Helen Ewing and her family, Paulette Schalk and others. Uh, Helen Ewing is uh, close to her faith being her sight. Uh, just probably within a day or two, maybe even today, Paulette called this morning. And so we want to lift them up as well as Bill Clayton, whose uh, hospice has been called in. And we just want to lift up Shirley and the family and all that they have done to support him and uh, his mind ravished uh, by dementia. We want to remember them as well. And this scripture is now being played out and in their lives right now. We'll see how this is applicable to them today. And so let's pray for them and pray as we ask God to guide us in his word this morning. God, I pray this morning for our brothers and sister in Christ, uh, Helen Ewing, a sweet, uh, sweet woman whose faith and testimony has been sure and an applicable and very much a witness there to others who don't know you. Uh, I pray, God, in these last hours of her life that you would be present and just as you will be present in her death. We pray, Lord, that you would be with the family as they gather and comfort them and strengthen them in these days and times. Pray also for Brother Bill Clayton. And Lord, uh, we are thankful for Miss Shirley's sweet and faithful faithfulness uh, during these trying days. We are thankful how you have sustained her and how you have been with her as she has cared for Bill. We lift Bill up to you now, Lord. You, your plan is best and greatest, and we lift his life into your hands, knowing that you are the great and mighty king. And God, as we consider these brothers and sisters and how we can pray for them, we pray just as fervently and, and right now, to hear your word in our lives, to encourage us, to sustain us uh, in the life that we have been called to live. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Join me in reading from verse 14 down to verse 30 of the scripture. Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold statue I've set up? Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, scyther, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music, fall down and worship the statue I made. But if you don't worship it, you will immediately be thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God that can rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If, God, if the God we serve exists, 
then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage, and his expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He gave orders to heat the furnace seven times more than was customary, and was commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So these men in their trousers, robes, head coverings, and other clothes were tied up and thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Since the king's command was so urgent and the furnace extremely hot, the raging flames killed those men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm. He said to his advisors, didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Yes, of course, your majesty, they replied to the king. He exclaimed, look, I see four men, not tied, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire and called out, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. When the satraps, perfects, governors, and the king's advisors gathered around, they saw that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men. Not a hair on their heads was singed, their robes were unaffected, and there was no smell of fire on them. Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They violated the king's command and risked their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I issue a decree that anyone of any people, nation or language, who says anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be torn limb from limb and his house made a garbage dump. For there is no other God who is able to deliver like this. Then the king rewarded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the providence of Babylon. I've had to become a mini expert on firefighters in my life, mainly because Franklin has been obsessed by them. I've had to learn about their equipment, and we've had to watch YouTube videos and read books and and so many different things about firefighters because that's what Franklin wanted to be or wants to be. Uh, Every time I think about firefighters, I think about the courage that it is to take someone to run towards something that everyone is running away from. You know, what is it that we are taught if there's a fire in our house? Run away from the house to a specific location, right? Well, firefighters run towards the fire, towards the danger, towards what is a danger to us. Not just them, but police officers and and, and EMTs, and of course our great men and women who serve in the military, they go where we will not go. But you know the thing about all of them is this, they have confidence and trust that they will prevail in the midst of that fire or danger, right? 
they don't go in it because if they have a wavering of doubt that they're going to run in there and be hurt, they would be hesitant and they could get hurt. But instead, what do they do? They, they trust their equipment. They trust their brothers and sisters. They trust their training that when they go in, that they will succeed. And this is a reminder to us, those of us who are believers, that we need to have the same courage as we face troubles, trials, and persecution in this sin-stained world. There is a faith that we are called to and that we see on display here in these scriptures that there is a faith in God that we must have that is strong when we are suffering and in persecution. Look, there is no more practical scriptures than us dealing with our culture today than what we have read this morning. Because non-believers and the culture asks all the time, how can you Christians believe in a God who allows bad things to happen? How can you as a Christian continue to have same faith when bad things happen in your life? It's a good question. How do we have faith when we lose a job? Or how do we have faith when we lose a relationship? How do we have faith like my former secretary who is now in Virginia who after being married for many years Less than a year ago, her husband was diagnosed with a brain tumor, and three days ago, he died in less than a year of finding out that he had this tumor. How can she, on Facebook and in my conversations with her and in her testimony to others, continue to say, all praise continues to go to my God? How do we do that? How do we have that faith? How do we trust God during these times? It is a question that is asked us. How do you trust God? Friends, I as a pastor have never wavered because I get the encouragement of other believers as they go through that. I see them face trials with great faith. Some of you in this room, I have seen that, and it has encouraged me in my faith because I know that there is no room for your faith to falter. I have seen you see bad times come, but you have looked Satan in the face in troubles and temptations, and you have proclaimed, God is my rock and my fortress. I will not move, you move. I've seen that in testimonies of believers all today and I know that there's coming more persecution in our time where we because we believe in the gospel and we believe in the inerrancy of scripture that we have already begun to be called uh, foul names because of our belief but it will become harder and harder for us to stand for God so the question is are we faithful now and will we be faithful when the fires of culture and of this world heat against us. Do you have faith that is prepared to be tested and tried? This is probably one of the more famous 
stories in all of Scripture, I would say. There would be, if there was a top ten, I bet they'd, this would probably be in it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. But what I want us to see here as we read this story, it is not just merely a children's tale. It is a display of biblical faith in which we will be called upon in one time or another. You see, faith is not mustering enough confidence that God will change our circumstance Faith is trusting in the absolute authority and sovereignty of a good God. And we see this here. We do not, this, the hero of the story may be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that we talk about. But the true hero of the story here is God. The one who is faithful. The one who gave an opportunity. The one who gave Faith, the one who then protected, the one who then allowed these three men to be used for his glory. It is he who is the main character in this story. But as we read it and as we understand God, our passage today and my prayer is that our hearts will be revealed to have a fireproof faith. And in our passage, there are three truths of fireproof faith in a sin-stained world. And the first truth is this. Number one, a fireproof faith begins with a commitment to trust God. A fireproof faith begins with a commitment to trust God. Now, that seems pretty elementary, but let us recap what has happened up to this point in this chapter. After Daniel had revealed the story and the, the dreams to Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel was placed into a very high-ranking uh, position, and he asked for his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to be put in charge of a providence outside the main cities of Babylon. Well, old King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebi, he didn't learn his lesson, and he might have even been inspired by that dream, uh, because as he uh, as he uh, heard that dream, the, the message of the dream we learned last week was what? Your kingdom's going to fall, King Nebuchadnezzar, and you better trust the one true God. But King Nebuchadnezzar got it all mixed up, and what did he decide? He's going to take that vision, that statue, and make the statue unto himself. A 90-foot-tall statue in which he proclaimed that every time my praise band starts playing and you can hear them all over Babylon, you need to bow down and you need to worship this statue. Well, of course, faithful Jews would not do this because this is a direct uh, disobedience of the first and second commandment. Do not have any gods above me or before me and do not make any graven images and so this was a no-brainer to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and so uh, we read that there were uh, Chalcedonians who were probably jealous because if you read back in chapter 2 they were ones that tried to uh, interpret the gene for King Nebuchadnezzar and they couldn't do it and so they said, wait a second, these Jews, not only has God given them favor and they're growing in number here and influence here, uh, we need to do something about this. And we see that they're not bowing down like the king has asked for us to do. So they go and they be like four, little four-year-old kids, right? They go and tattletale and tell the king that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are not doing what they're supposed to do. 
And so we see in a rage that the king calls him before them and says, look, guys, you have got to do this. I've decreed it, and you will worship and bow down before me. And then he goes on to say, there's no other God that you can bow down to other than the ones I have put up for you to worship. So you need to do it, and there's no way you're going to get around this one. And this is the, their response is killer. Talk about a drop mic moment. I mean, this is, this is great. This is something that in our faith we should be able to proclaim. Verse 16, Shadrach, Shadrach Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to that question. If, God, if the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you to know as king that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. I mean, look at this proclamation of faith. Look at this stand, strong understanding of, of, of defiance to the king. I will not and cannot bow down to you, king, because you, king, are nothing compared to our God. They had complete trust and commitment to God. How can they say this? How can they do this? Because they had faith that was fireproof. The same faith that Paul wrote about in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where he writes, Therefore, we do not give up, even though our outer person is absolutely incomparable, excuse me, even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day, for our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but what on, is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is seen, unseen is eternal. This is great faith, friends. How will you have fireproof faith when you commit yourself to the God of the Bible and to not be overwhelmed by the circumstances in your, that you find yourself in? That you know his plan, his ways are better. You know for the most important thing that he is the God who is working all things out for his glory and for our good. That the most fulfilling thing in that moment of testing is that your faithfulness and your satisfaction is in God. That you can look at the fire and that you can say, God is working this out for his glory. And I am fully satisfied in this. I was listening to one of John Piper's old sermons this week, a snippet that has become one of the most downloadable snippets or sermons that he has ever uh, graced YouTube. And he reminded us in a great story that said, look, when you are facing trials, when you are facing issues or problems, it is not that you are trusting in the the riches and the rewards that God will bring you that is not the true gospel the true gospel is that God has already been your reward and that even if you have a car accident and your daughter goes flailing through the window and in her very last breath as you watch her die you are saying God you are enough your grace is enough Jesus you are enough I will not fall from you See, brothers and sisters, God is good. 
And we must understand that there is nothing but him that satisfies. Fireproof faith is initiated and is founded in a faith in God's power and his plan for your life. And today you might not believe that in God or you might think that you're unsure and you might think that this is some gruesome act of wishful thinking or fairy tale hopes that wishes bad stuff away. Oh no, we who are believers who are washed in the blood of God, we have utter faith in a God whose wisdom is far beyond us and we know that even in the bad things, he does not fail. And as we know this, it is not just a, a fairy tale wish, but it's instead that we have seen a, and experienced a personal God who loves us and is with us through those bad things, which leads to truth number two. Fireproof faith sustains by knowing God is with you. Yes, we have confidence and assurance that God is faithful and we put our faith and trust in his, his life and wisdom and power and glory. But it is knowing that God is with us that sustains us through the trial. Verse 24 through 26 says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm and said to his advisors, Didn't we throw three men bound to the fire? Yes, of course, your majesty, they replied to the king. He exclaimed, look, I see four men not tied walking around the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of God. So when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused the king, they had them. He was furious that they would, they would disavow him. And so he said, turn up the heat to the furnace. Turn it up to seven times a fold as we normally heat it up to. And it says it was so hot that the guards that were taking Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to the furnace, they died trying to kill Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's how hot the fire was. But they, to the surprise of the king, God showed up. And to the surprise of all, God was with them. You see, in the midst of the fire, King Nebuchadnezzar looked and saw not three but four men walking around in the fiery furnace. Notice that the bonds and everything that they had tied them up had been burned away. But it said later that there was not even the smell of fire on these three. Why? Because God was with them. Now, many different commentators would say that some would say that this is the pre uh, pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus in the fiery furnace. Some would say this is just the, the angel of the Lord. Some would say this is just an angel. No matter who it was and what it was, the reality is the God of the one true God was in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He was truly Emmanuel, God with them in that moment, in the midst of trouble, in the midst of pain. And brothers and sisters, I cannot help but go around and know that I've talked to many of you when you're going through trials and you're going through sickness and you have said, I feel those prayers. I feel God's presence. I know he's with me. I know I have people praying for me because we know as believers that God does not keep us in the fire by ourselves, but God is right there with us. Many of us, we've had these discussions. How does someone who do not know God go through trials and tribulations? Because when we go through trials, we know God is right there with us. What a display of a God who cares for his people. 
God promises this in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2. He says, I will be with you when you pass through the waters. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. You will not be scorched when you walk through the fire. And the flame will not burn you. Brothers and sisters, God is not a distant God. But He is a God who walks with His people through life. God is a God who cares. And we see why Nebuchadnezzar was surprised. We, we cannot believe because when he says later on that he says, there is no other God like this. He was astounded because he sees, how can someone do this? This is weird. This is not normal. You see, we ask these questions. Why did God save Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? By? Why didn't they just, he just reached down and pull them out sort of like Superman? Why did he walk in there? Why did he walk around in there with him? It's an indicator of what the Bible always says. Only the God of the Bible says that I am with you through the trials. I am with you through the fire. I am with you through your life. I am with you through the pain. Look, look, we can compare to any God we want to, and we will find there is no other God like our God. We can compare him to Allah. Allah will say that I would not go down into the mess of life where you say, I want you to sacrifice yourself or the sacrifice of someone else, but I will not be with you in that life. I will not have anything to do with you in that life. Allah is not someone who comes and lives and breathes and helps people through their troubles. Buddhism, they believe in, in a nirvana and a peace and, and it is all dependent upon you doing what is right and you doing what is fair and you actually even avoiding trials in life because they look at it as if you're going through a trial, that means you're not doing something right. How good is that for you to feel that there's actually not even a true God who is there with you. Hinduism, there's so many gods there that you don't even know which one to choose from. And here's the truth. None of those gods say, I'm going to walk through the fire with you. Not a one of them. As a matter of fact, if their hope is only that if they do good enough and go through enough trials that, that they can be reincarnated to just a higher caste system and they never have hope of God meeting them in their pain or in their troubles. Instead, our God came and went through fire for us. God loved us. And he sent his son. And we have a God who can look you in the eye and said, everything you're going through, I've already been through. This Jesus came and lived on earth. And he suffered. And he was beaten. And he was excluded from his family. And he was tortured and being left alone and he was he was hung on a tree and he was die and he was killed for our sin and he was sent into death and even death could not hold him but three days later he rose again brothers and sisters this God loves us because he's been through it with us and he promises he will continue to be our hope is not just in a fairy tale faith, but in a Savior who has died for us. 
Romans chapter 5, verse 9 and 10 says, Much more than since we have now been declared righteous by His blood, we will be saved through Him from wrath. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, then how much more, having been reconciled, are we saved by His life? Brothers and sisters, are you going through something where you feel alone? You might have come here today and you might feel, I'm all alone. God does not love me. The world hates me. Everyone is against me. Well, here's the good news. You don't have to leave here feeling that way today. Because God loves you. If you trust in the God of the Bible who sent his son to die for you, you, by faith and repenting of your sin, will have the God of the universe right there with you because the hope that we have as christians is that god is right here with us a personal god who loves us and believers don't turn from the cross and look at your circumstances don't look like peter did when he got out of the boat and he looked at the waves instead of jesus we have to have our eyes firmly fixed on jesus our savior and trust in him we have hope because we have a god sustaining us walking through fire with us and if you do god will not only help you through this pain but he will use you to do a kingdom work and bring him glory which leads to number three fireproof faith results in a testimony to a lost world Verse 27 through 29 says, When the satraps, uh, prefects, governors, and the king's advisors gathered around, they saw that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men. Not a hair of their heads was singed, and their robes were unaffected. There was no smell of fire on them. Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent an angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They violated the king's command and risked their lives rather than serve or worship any god except for their own god. Hear this, friends. Faith displayed in obedience is a testimony to a great God. Faith displayed in obedience is a testimony to a great God. Look at how God was glorified in this act. Through all a a godless, or maybe more correct, a polytheistic nation in which they had a God for everything that you could see, there was a testimony for a true God who was unlike all these statues that they had made up. Not fiction, but power, not frailty, but everlasting God. And this testimony to the king made him reevaluate his stance on who should be worshipped. You see, Nebuchadnezzar, if you read earlier, it was a it was a proclamation to serve his God's little G S. <laughs> G-O-D-S, little g. All these multiple gods, as, as well as himself. 
But there was a, a, a claim here that is very similar to what we go through today. The people that would say there is all these gods are, are the same and that all roads lead to the same God and that there is no exclusivity to Christianity because God is just this one being that shows himself in all many different forms and fashions. And so for you Christians who say that you hold to the exclusivity of Christ, you are being intolerant. To which I would say, no, you're being intolerant because you're saying I have to believe in a bunch of gods who are meaningless. And if we don't agree with you, then you cast us off. That's intolerance, friends. But we know because of a, a God who has proclaimed himself from the beginning of time, who has redeemed himself and shown himself through Christ the Son, that we know that he is the one true God. And so therefore, when we stand in faith in the midst of trials and obedience, it makes people consider the truth of the gospel. Because look, they will argue philosophy, they will argue about what's right and wrong scientifically, they will argue, but one thing they have a hard time arguing with is experience, and especially when they see believers forsake all for the sake of Christ. When you respond with, during great suffering and trials with great faith, it is far worth more evidence in an unbeliever's life than a stack of book of apologetics because people are confronted with their hearts and minds who say that Jesus is enough for me, that God is enough for me, and they don't know what to do with that. How can someone go through trials and suffering and believe in God and not falter? And they have to deal with this. King Nebuchadnezzar didn't learn his lesson because if you actually rewind to chapter 2, at the end when he hears about Daniel, he, he says something to the effect of, uh, uh, Daniel's God is a, a great among many gods. Well, now, after seeing this great faith that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he still, he still hasn't got there yet. He says, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So he's still not believing in this God. But what does he say? There is no other God like that one. There's a movement. And King Nebuchadnezzar has to wrestle with what he's just seen. And brothers and sisters, when we are put through trials and suffering, it is an opportunity of our fireproof faith to display to a world a great and good God, one of the gospel who loves the world to the lost world. First Peter chapter 1, Peter writes, You rejoice in this, though now for a short time you have had to struggle in various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, more valuable than gold which perishes through refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor and revelation of Jesus Christ. A friend of mine had their sister, had a baby that was about six weeks premature. And they had to go to the hospital every day. And they were there all day. And they spent many days and weeks. And then even after the expected due date, they were there months afterwards as the baby recuperated. They were believers. 
And they were heart-wrenched about what their child and their baby was going to, through. But as they were there, they kind of adopted a couple that was there in the waiting room with them. I mean, when you're in waiting rooms, that's, you, know, you just kind of start talking. After a while, the hours uh, fade and, and mush together. And, and, and so they started to befriend this couple who was going through something even more tragic as their child was fighting cancer. This couple was all alone. They were fearful. They, their family lived across the country. And, and so this Christian couple who was going through a testing, their baby was, 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 was just on the, the edge of survival. And, and their hearts were wretched, and, and they, could have, they could have been overwhelmed by what was going on. But instead, they lived their faith every day. They befriended this couple. They asked their Christian friends who kept coming to the hospital to help them, say, hey, would you, would you help this, these friends of ours? And they started to adopt this couple, and, and they started to serve them as well. And, and through this, this relationship bore out. Even when this sweet Christian couple, their child died, the first call that they made the next day was to check on their friends that they had met in the hospital. After a few months, the other couple's baby had, had, had finally come out. After several weeks of prayer and follow-up and friendships, that family came to faith in Jesus Christ. And they were asked, why did this happen? Well, it happened because I saw a faith in this Christian couple that had never seen before, even when their child died. How are you handling the ordeal that you're in right now? Would people around you see someone who has a fireproof faith in God? Is your steadfast faith in God allowing you to see opportunities for missions and evangelism and having the opportunity to impact a life for Christ? God is most glorified through your faith in him. There was a miner who was in a mine that collapsed and was injured when he was in his early 20s. And he was basically ridden into a wheelchair for the rest of his life. He couldn't do anything else. And as the year passed on, years passed on, uh, he was struck because he saw his other friends and family who could continue to work and he couldn't keep up with his house and he really couldn't provide for himself and he saw them grow older and they have children and grandchildren and, and a young guy came to visit him one day as he was older in years and he said sir I, I've come to visit you and I hear that you're a Christian how could you still have faith in a God where you're stuck in a wheelchair? How could you think that God loves you? The old man said, son, it's true from time to time, Satan will visit me here in this house. And he will point out through the window these other men and women who are working and doing great things and and I can't work and he whispers in my ear does Jesus love you 
So then Satan sometimes will point out and look and point out these other houses that they live in and say, look at the house that you're living in compared to them. How could you say, Satan would say, how does Jesus love you? Then he said, sometimes Satan comes around and points out to the grandchildren of those who are around me and say, look, they're happy with grandchildren. How can you say Jesus loves you? And the young boy said, well, what do you say? What do you say? He says, well, I take Satan by the hand and I take him to Calvary and I point out the nails in the hand and the hole in the side of my Savior who's hanging on the cross. And I turn to him and say, doesn't Jesus love me? Friends, our faith is in a Savior who will never fail us. And whether we're going through a trial now or we will once go through testing of fire, Who and what and how will we stand true in our faith? Today, do you know the never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love of Jesus? Do you know that today? If you don't, repent and believe in the Savior who died for you. Today, maybe you're going through a trial Remember, Christ is with you. He's not far off, but he's right there. And that fireproof faith that you have in God that's available. And as we move forward and we are tested in this persecuted world, take your faith and trust in God and faith in the face of a fiery trials that's ahead. Let us pray. God, we ask you this morning as we have considered the testimony of these three Hebrew boys, a a testimony of faith, a testimony of knowing that you are sovereign and good and loving and a Savior. God, I pray that if there is someone here that does not know this love, that you would draw them to yourself and reveal this love to them. God, I pray for those of us who are going through trials to be encouraged and strong and steady in the face of what is to come. God, I pray that you would help us to use us and use our brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage us to endure and to remain faithful.